Welcome to another Blue Jay Beat Wrap-Up Show featuring WhiteAndBlueReview.com's Matt DeMoranis. Uh, good evening, or good morning, maybe, uh, everybody out there. Um, this is Matt DeMoranis from White and Blue Review, sitting here with Johnny Atala from the Omaha World Herald after Marquette's 90-86 hole win over Creighton at CenturyLink Center on uh, Saturday night. Um, John, how are you? You know, not great. Not great? Nine. I mean, we got to see an exciting ball game. It was. Uh, it was an exciting A lot game. of offense. I, I'm just like, I would have loved it to start at seven for, for yeah. my sake. Uh, we, got, we, have, to, we have a senior day at 1 o'clock tomorrow with the women, so that's <laughs> right. going to be a tough uh, Exactly. So tough I, turnaround. for me to kind of process all that, I'll apologize in advance. I was writing a story for most of the second half, mm-hmm. so I like there are a lot of details that I probably miss, and I, I'm really eager to rewatch the game um, on DVR as soon as so I can. So you're relying but on me then? That's a good. lot. I'm going to be leaning on you. Well, prepare for a train wreck, everybody. Uh, this will be. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We're, and we had like stat problems yep. too, and so it was just a. There was, was a, there were a lot of signs. It was a madness long press row for yep. me. Yep. Anyway, um, and I think I missed uh, I missed some details of a of a pretty compelling game but it was still fun and uh you know obviously disappointing for Creighton that it sure. that it blew the lead um I guess I'll just lead off with some initial thoughts and then we'll then I'll let you uh have the floor about what you were able to see um obviously the start to the game and the start to the second half uh you know you can kind of sum up the result almost in that that little 10 minute segment of the game but you know, the defensive glass was a huge issue for Creighton, especially in the second half. Marquette went into the locker room down 12 at halftime, and Marcus Howard injured probably out for an extended period. Um, you would guess that the morale in that room was at a, at a low, considering their best scorer was um, not available to them anymore. And, you know, then you got the emotion of what's actually wrong with him because it was kind of like an uncertain moment. When Marquette comes out in the second half, they get grab nine offensive rebounds, uh, score 18 points off of those offensive rebounds, so essentially everything turned into a bucket, which is incredible efficiency to finish that off. I counted 11 stops for Creighton in, in the second, second half. half. That's insane. 11 like, empty possessions for Marquette, um, and, and three of them were travels. So it was, uh, Creighton didn't do anything on those. No, <laughs> I mean, those were unforced errors, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, they they missed fourteen shots and got nine offensive boards, out of control. That was I mean that was the, to me that's, the, the that's, defensive glass was the story of the game because I felt like you know you you feel like Marquette is a really good offense and they're going to be hard to stop in general. But if you make it, if you give them multiple chances to beat you, that's where the game, in my opinion, was lost because you you expect them to have a run in them, you expect them to some to get hot, and if you've watched Marquette at all, they're actually really good when Rousey's on the floor, not to like make light of Howard's injury, but they're really good plus minus wise when Howard, when Rousey's on the floor and Howard is not on the floor. Mm. Um, well, and especially, and then, especially once they went zone, yeah. we'll get back to yeah, yeah. what they did offensively. But once they went zone, they could bring in more length in place of Howard, which yep. added effectiveness to their zone. But, yeah, I just but the point the point, point the point is like I just think the offensive rebounding was the reason was was pretty much the the nail in the coffin for Creighton. They 
even when they got stops, they didn't get stops. Mm-hmm. So that just compounds the whole situation. Um, and Marquette, you know, when you give that a team like that that many opportunities, they will bury you, and they they ended up doing that. So um, to me, it was all the result for the Creighton. It was all on the defensive end, um, the defensive glass, uh, and just getting stops in general in that second half. Well, I, don't, I don't think they can complain about their offense. I don't, I don't know. I, I can a little bit. Okay. Because it's not like Creighton's never seen his own before. That's true. And it's not like Creighton didn't practice to face his own. I mean, like, they knew that Marquette had that, I guess you would call it a curveball. I mean, when, when a team shoots 70% against you, you're going to make some sort of an adjustment at halftime. So Creighton had to anticipate something was going to happen differently. Um, and to me, that stretch in the second half, even though, yeah, you can argue Creighton should have been getting a, you know, something, some kind of a stop right out of halftime mm-hmm. defensively, putting providing more, at least some resistance. Um, but that, that lull offensively for Creighton changed the game. I mean, that's what – just listen to Wojo after the game in, in the press conference talking about how, you know, we're a different team when we get stops. Like, when we got stops, our zone helped us uh, gain some confidence. Like, that stretch where Creighton just – I mean, it kind of just looked lost to me. I felt like the energy in the building was sucked out. Like this, the building got zapped of its energy. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, like there was kind of like this nervous feeling with the crowd, or maybe a a, a bit of a frustration that I think I could sense, and I, I would imagine the players could sense too, uh, because they had a 16 point lead and suddenly it was gone. And you knew Marquette, with the way that they could score, was going to put some pressure on Creighton from that point on. And so um, I just thought that. I mean, it was seven possessions, five missed shots, and two turnovers. Um, and it wasn't like it, – it didn't seem like Creighton had a lot of intent to attack the zone at that point. They mm-hmm. got better, but that, to me, that stretch was – There was like the a key. little – you could sense a little apprehension about where right. they wanted to attack it, even when – and it's not like Marquette was collapse. Marquette was doing absolutely no collapsing of that zone defense whatsoever. If you got it into the teeth of that, you pretty much were allowed to do whatever you wanted at that point. What Marquette was worried about was the three point line. Um, it was it was kind of like a Baylor zone to be honest. They were really focusing on the perimeter and making sure that three pointers were a hard to find wide open ones and b hard to once you got an open one closeouts were big for Marquette in yep. that zone. And you know just from a statistical standpoint. You know, Creighton was, what, 1.5 points per possession in the first half uh-huh. against what I thought was mixing of defenses. Marquette showed a little bit of zone, but they, they yeah, didn't they, really stick they, to They one. zoned maybe, it was like three possessions or yeah, something, and yeah. then they were out of it. And the second half, it was almost exclusively zone. I, have to, I, I, I think in they, fairness, I'll have to go back and rewatch to see how I much it I think they switched to like. man. I think Marquette switched to man on, like, out-of-bounds plays and maybe once out of a timeout, but it was mostly zone. I would yeah. say 95% zone. And they held Creighton to 33 points on 35 possessions in the second half yeah. against that. So a, a big drop-off in Creighton's efficiency um, offensively. So, yeah. But to your point, offense wasn't. I mean, you think eighty-six points and seventy possessions is enough to? Yeah, that's I mean, what that's, that's like what I'm saying. Overall like you, picture, but, but you're but right Creighton, about the tale of two. It's just two like Creighton uh, in, in a game like that where it's kind of back and forth, and you know that like Marquette's a good offensive team, and obviously when you look at the final number, whatever, what did Max say? What was it like forty-nine points and thirty-two possessions? Yeah. Like that's that's not good. That's terrible, obviously, Awful. but. 
Marquette is a team. I don't know. It just it feels like a team that once it gets hot and gets rolling, um, and gets kind of that mojo and that swagger, it they're going to be tough to stop because mm-hmm. they have really good scores and they isolated Creighton one on one in some certain situations and took advantage of some mismatches. And I, to me, it was just good offense. I'm not sure what Creighton could have done differently in a lot of spots. Now again, I got to yeah, go watch I, it, but it the, felt like I, I'm curious to see. I, I I wonder if you are too to see what when Creighton got stops and when Marquette and why they got, got their got their second yeah. chances and like how but, big were those second chance points that Marquette yeah. had? Yeah, but 18 out of the 39 points were off second opportunities. If you think about that, or, or the 49, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. And I, but it's all. I guess my thought is is that Creighton's inability to keep the pressure on offensively mm-hmm. by scoring and keeping the crowd engaged and keeping its own confidence high um that was like enough of a window for marquette to like sneak in and, and find um just kind of s- settle in like well, that- a lot of them to control the game because in the, yeah. with the zone defense you're you're slowing down creighton's offense and making them play at a tempo they're not comfortable at and with them not getting up with defensive rebounds you're also getting any opportunity you want offensively but when you're putting stops together like Marquette was in the second half as well you're also playing at your own tempo because you're able to clean up the defensive glass uh get a stop get a rebound and go at your pace yeah so the whole the whole the whole pace of the second half was at whatever Marquette felt comfortable doing they were in total control of the entire 20 minutes because zone defense forced Creighton to you know into less than a point for possession um and Marquette and they only had I think Creighton only had where did they end up for rebounds in the second, uh, offensive rebounds in the second half? I think two, right? Sounds right, two. So, three. Okay. Three offensive rebounds in the second half that led to three second chance points. Yeah. So you got, uh, you know, that's that. So Creighton wasn't doing anything to make that zone, make them pay for that zone. As far as shooting goes, they were only five of fourteen from three, and as far as rebounding goes, which is the other thing you think, uh, I mean, you know, traditionally you struggle to do against the zone because you can't find a man. Um, Creighton only got three offensive boards against it, so it the, it was just Marquette was in total control, and, and Creighton didn't do anything to make them uncomfortable. So the way I had it charted was that the first two possess uh, the first three trips down the floor for Creighton, they made two threes in the second in half. the second half. Okay, so first three made two threes, then seven in a row empties for Creighton against his own. You get two free throws from Marcus Foster and a break uh, breakaway run out dunk from Kyrie, mm-hmm. um, which is e- an easy bucket. Yep. And then a travel, two more missed shots. Um, so essentially Creighton went, and then, and then finally uh, there was a timeout by Creighton and Tyshawn Alexander hit a jump shot. So That's when I think I, it started to turn around for right, Creighton. Because right. he hit a jump shot. But that was, a, that was up to 11 minutes left in the game. Mm-hmm. So Creighton went when Marcus they Foster down hit. down two when that happened. When, Mar- or, or when Davion Mintz hit a three-pointer with 18 minutes left, that was the second three in that, fir- that three-possession span to start the second half. Mm-hmm. Um, there were 18 minutes left in the game when, when Davion Mintz hit that three. It took Creighton seven minutes of game time, essentially. Um, not counting the two free throws by Marcus which he did create against his own and got himself in, in into a scoring position, so you give him credit for that. Um, and Kyrie Thomas broke away for a dunk, creating a turnover himself. But the next three possessions didn't really give you a sense that Creighton had solved it yet uh, with a turnover and two missed three, three-pointers. Um, it took them seven minutes. And mm-hmm. to me, that was the difference in the game, that those seven minutes against a team like Marquette, that it, like it, when you saw it, when they got rolling and they got hot, they – they felt like they couldn't miss, mm-hmm. and and 
Creighton didn't do enough on its home floor with the crowd behind it to put those guys away, or at least keep that cushion. You got to keep that cushion uh, when you when you build a lead like at 16 points. Um, I guess they were up by 15 at one point in the second half. I think. Yeah. You got to find Marcus a way. Three right you got you got to find a way to stiff arm them. You got to keep them at arm's length. And and I felt like when it got they, under they, 20, I felt like getting the game under 10 before. Before the midway point of the second half was going to be a dangerous one for Creighton. Mm-hmm. I felt like if Marquette could get that much of the lead cut down and make it a single-digit ball game, essentially going down the stretch, if they could do that, I felt like it was going to be a it was going to be a long night for Creighton and, to finish and, that game. And, and they got it's, it's the lead by that point. So like, I, I, I wish and see, this is a thing. Like I don't feel like, and I apologize to Creighton fans because I don't feel like I asked the right questions in the press conference, but like. One of the things that we've talked about with this team a lot at certain points is like playing with a lead. This team still hasn't figured that out yet. I mean, this was a, Saturday night against Marquette was an example of it. Like, um, there's just a certain sense of urgency that you have to have, even if you are kind of feeling in, you're, you're feeling good, you're feeling comfortable, things are rolling, you're at home. This is this is like, uh, it seems like your position, but like a. A, a team like Marquette that's desperate for a win, playing for his postseason life, like it's going to require a, a more of a, um, a like more response from you. Like you, you're yeah. not going to, you're not going to, you're not just cruising to a win here. And I feel like and, and we've, I think Mac has said that in the post game presser before that one knockout punch isn't enough in this league. Yeah, and yeah. Kind of yeah. Creighton kind of thinks, but I don't think still, that, they fall into that 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 sense of false sense of security where they where they land one and they think. That team's got We're nothing good. left. Like, yeah. if you look at G- Georgetown and Marquette, are two games um, at home recently because uh, I think they had Villanova. Saint- I mean, St. John's too is a good example too. St. John's. Those were three games. St. John's on the road, Georgetown at home, and Marquette at home. Three games where they've had fifteen point leads that have dwindled down to. I think St. John's got as close to five. Georgetown got to one, and Marquette obviously right. erased the whole thing. So like. And and then yeah, it's just they hadn't done a good job. They just haven't. I mean, it goes back to the start of the season, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is kind of a uh, a storyline that we've talked about. Gonzaga, Seton Hall. They they obviously got burned in those games. Baylor. Yeah. Um, they had leads in those games, and they got burned in those games. But um, whatever that winning formula is, uh, I don't want to. I, I I don't want to be too critical because Creighton has won close games, mm-hmm. and they found a way to win. Um, in tight situations because so you don't want to make an overarching statement just based on what we just saw but there's that there's there's some sort of blueprint that is needed to kind of like i said finish off an opponent that you already have kind of put away or to put away opponent that you already sort of have teetering yeah uh, maybe it's the knockout blow. That's well, the phrase, and, and that that blueprint, whatever it is, Creighton just hasn't quite found it because they haven't um, consistently enough put a team away. And I guess the counter argument to that would just be like, look, it's the Big East. You're not going to be able to put a team away, but you can split it up too. Because if you look at big picture, what you're talking about and the point you're making, if you split it up into the, to the point and the times when Creighton has done it, and examples I can think of. St. John's and DePaul are two of them. St. John's and DePaul are two of the last place teams in the league. Yeah. How, regardless of how good they are, they're last place in the standings. So think about what Creighton has done in those types of situations against NCAA tournament quality teams. The only wins I can think of on the top of my head are Nebraska and Butler. 
Um, Seton Hall. Did, did I don't think with Seton Hall they beat him by seventeen points. Like, you know what I mean? Like that. Get the Seton Hall and Desi Rodriguez was on the bench, like being a drama. Yeah, it was. Like, a, it was a that, weird Seton game. Seton Hall unraveled in that one. Right. They didn't have a second punch when Great yeah. made it the first knockout one. That's true. That that's was a, done. That was over point. with. You know what I mean? That's a good. point. And Seton Hall on the road. Creighton landed a knockout punch, and Seton Hall had a response to yeah. it. Um, Baylor, uh, Gonzaga, you mentioned. Um, who else did they have on the ropes that they couldn't knock out? I mean, just like that's that's your your to your point. Like that's against teams that they're going to have to beat in March. They've lost all those games. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like St. John's and DePaul, they're not going to be they're not going to be playing St. John's and DePaul in March because. St. John's and DePaul aren't going to be in March. Right. But, like, Nebraska, who's on the bubble, Baylor's on the bubble, Gonzaga, who's a lock, um, Seton Hall on the road is a lock, like, you know, lockish. Like, they're, I mean, however they're, whatever they end up doing. But, like, those are examples that you're making against teams that they'll have to play with their season on the line where they haven't had a second, you know, where they haven't had a counter to when they kind of get punched back a right. little bit. So that's yeah, a and good it's, point. It's really tough to, like, put your finger on it because it's not a tangible you can't just look at the stat sheet and be like oh yeah that's mm-hmm. there's the toughness category like the mental toughness exactly, category exactly, but it's yeah, but yeah. that's what i feel like that's what's been missing Kyrie at times mentioned it tonight like, yeah he, he said know. something and so did mac um kind of briefly and i wish i would have pressed them on it a little bit more to talk deeper about it but maybe they it's it, it might be kind of difficult to come up with the answers uh today uh, it's something we can revisit in the coming days but yeah i did talk to marcus in the in the tunnel after the game and he had a yeah. It was it was an interesting, like brutal, honest moment, in that he said, first of all, it wasn't. He didn't point any fingers. He said it starts with him, and it starts with him tomorrow because they're going to practice tomorrow at um, four o'clock at the championship center. So tomorrow it says it starts with him. First of all, being the senior um, team leader, best player, best scorer. Uh, you know he missed some shots tonight that could have put the game away, or tied it. Uh, late with that jumper against the zone, you know, it was pretty wide open. That that stretch, by the way, against the zone for seven minutes, he missed one, two, three, three three pointers. Mm-hmm. So, and then so points, yeah, so so Sorry. and and it would, you know, he said tomorrow might not be something that tomorrow Creighton the players might find themselves in a situation they're not going to like, and if you and if you don't like what the situation you're in tomorrow, you're not going to play. So essentially. It feels like a gut check moment, yeah. and that's kind of. I didn't want to lead him into that, but I, that's what I was curious to see if it is for for guys who have a lot of urgency right now. Marcus Foster has single digit games left in his college career. You know what I mean? Essentially, um, so I wondered if 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 this like two home losses in a row in league play creates a back against the wall mentality because, like you said. You're, that 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 would go into the toughness category, right? Because toughness was needed tonight, and it wasn't there. Yeah, toughness was needed against Xavier, and it wasn't there. I mean, you could argue it was there, if not for a call, but still, it wasn't there in most of the game. Um, they 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 may have deserved a result to go be one and one in this stretch or two and zero. Oh, however, the ball bounces, but the fact is they're zero and two. Yeah. So yeah, that category that you mentioned that is hard to put, you know, tangible evidence into. You almost have to like, you know, it's almost anecdotal the way you cite it. You look here, you look there, like possession stretches and things like that where Creighton wasn't tough enough to put a team away or wasn't tough to get over the hump. That's going forward. That's the question that they have to answer the rest of the way because at Butler on their senior night at Hinkle, Villanova welcomes you back to Omaha after you're done with that challenge. The DePaul team that took you to the wire and you needed a last-second Marcus Foster shot to beat them. Um, 
and, and then, then Marquette on the road again, yeah. like the team that just out toughed you in Omaha. Like the the stretch is going to certainly challenge them in the area that you have just circled as maybe the defining moment of their season. How it, you know it was it was there in the non conference when they couldn't uh, finish off some teams, and it's now here at the end of the season. So for Creighton to have the season they want to have, regardless of the injuries that they're going through right now, um, the toughness the toughness question has to be answered and if it isn't answered we kind of know what they're gonna what how the season's gonna how end. it's gonna we, result yeah, yeah we know what's what, gonna happen you know what the results gonna be yeah um with that said they still had a chance oh yeah you know like, i that's, mean that's the you're one point away from savior four points against marquette like the you know that it's not like right and and it's not like you're getting dump trucked you have a lot of questions to answer mm-hmm. essentially one big one to answer but yeah you're a good point I guess uh, you want to maybe dive into some individuals a little bit. Well, actually, I was kind of curious. I was just kind of curious. Did you did you note notice anything? Because I getting some feedback from fans on Twitter and stuff. Like the question was, I mean, there's just sort of a lot of criticism being thrown at the coaching staff for not finding a way to adjust to that zone sooner. And mm-hmm. I think that um, when I'm watching the game, it. Especially in a game like that, a shootout, seven, those seven possessions in a row where Creighton didn't score yeah. felt like an eternity because of, you know, you, you, Marquette's kind of well, it felt like working they were in quicksand because Marquette was scoring. Right, so Marquette's yeah. uh, um, <laughs> making anxiety, that push. Like, if they answer, they're coming. Like, yeah, what yeah. are you doing? Yeah. Right. Yeah. They're charging. Are you guys going to, like, put up, get in the defensive position right now and mm-hmm. then start fighting back? Or, mm-hmm. like, what's going to happen? Yeah. Um, but when you – I mean, if it, weren't, if it wasn't that setting – Seven straight possessions in a different game is not that's like not that big of a deal. You know what I'm saying? Like a stretch like that, you can usually withstand a stretch like that. A mm-hmm. scoring drought, um, that's it's not that much of a segment, it's not that large of a segment of game time. Sometimes t- to make an adjustment, it takes a couple timeouts to fully settle in. Um, did you think that Creighton adjusted quickly enough? Could it have adjusted well, certainly quicker? Certainly not quickly enough, but I mean, it, could it have? It, were there things that it could have done to, to adjust quicker? Well, see, this, here's the thing that I keep coming back to, and I'm that's why I'm really curious to rewatch because I didn't feel like Creighton was getting bad shots. Now, I, I think there's a difference in the type of rhythm they have to be in to really be at like peak offense, like step in threes and things like that. But I think you know, Ronnie missed I think what two or three wide open shots in the lane that Marquette didn't really contest very much. Mm-hmm. Those are shots that that he can knock down and I think he I think those are shots he probably wants back. I think Marcus had a couple I think most of the three threes you mentioned from Marcus, I thought they were good looks. One was long and then the very the next one you could see him pull it. You could see him you could literally see him he's short arm it because he knew the last one was long. So yeah. you could see that he was trying to adjust the way he shot the last one and then he short armed that he short front ran that one. Um, you could just see that they were just a little bit off in that stretch, and that cost them. I don't think they would argue with the type of shots that they got. Maybe on rewatch it'll look different, but I, I still don't think they got, you know, same story as the Baylor game. I didn't feel like those were bad shots either. They just didn't knock them down, and I feel like that was the same situation. But that was kind of the gamble Marquette was willing to take. Look, you, we don't want you in transition. We don't want you on the break. We don't want you... Um, making our defense rotate and yep. causing switches and making mismatch hap- mismatches happen. So that's the gamble Marquette had to take. And when Creighton started missing, then you're officially out of rhythm and it takes a while to get it back. Yeah, that was and the I, thing. It's, it felt like yeah, it felt like there's probably a way 
for Creighton, there could have been a way for Creighton to get into a rhythm quicker. Whether that was Jacob bringing, Epperson was the way. I mean, right. Whether like, that was bringing Epperson off because that bench. makes the the guy that was not guarding the mid range have to guard the mid range, yeah. and then or and then pay for guarding the mid range. The problem is, the problem is the, other the problem was was the other end of the four. Now I, I, I charted it because he only played four minutes in the second half. He, right. played, he came in at eleven twenty one and left at seven twenty one. Mm-hmm. Um, he got a two lob dunks during that stretch, and I think helped get Creighton back on track. So it was important that he was in there. But Absolutely. on the other end, unfortunately. Uh, there were six possessions, nine points for Marquette, and w- and one of those possessions ended with a travel, so that was kind of inconsequential. And there was a big three-point play on Helt that he that he. A big three-point play. They had six. They had five offensive rebounds during those on and those I think six he fouled, possessions. I think he actually fouled John on another offensive rebound that probably went to a team went down as a team rebound and didn't like, but it resulted in points again right. out of a timeout. Like so that was, he had one rebound in eight minutes. So that's and he mentioned it himself. In he, the, he knows. He mentioned it himself in the yeah. post game. So. That's the reason that – But the big question that I've gotten a lot is why didn't Epperson play more minutes? Well, I mean, he was on pace for five rebounds per 40 minutes. So, I mean, out of a seven-foot center, you need more than that. Certainly when you're getting your butt kicked on the glass. I was going to say, especially when the, the guys around you on the opposing team are grabbing the boards. Yeah. And Creighton just couldn't afford I – mean, those five rebounds that came in that four-minute stretch, that's five of their nine. In four minutes, mm-hmm. they had nine offensive rebounds in the second half. Five of them came in four minutes when when uh, when Jake was on the floor. So uh, that it, while he did provide a solution on one hand, he I think he um, I thought all the uh, freshmen were really good. Maybe tonight. compounded a problem. All of them. Other. I thought you know all of them were really good offensively, and I think Tyshawn and uh, Tyshawn I thought was pretty good when he got switched on to Rousey, and you know defensively I thought he I thought he was good on both ends of the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, the freshmen were really impressive tonight, but yeah, when you have a when you have when you're getting your tail kicked on the glass that much, you kind of like will lean on who you trust to clean up the glass. And you know, Toby and Ronnie are guys that are probably ahead of Jacob Everson in the pecking order as far as who the coaching staff trusts to grab a defensive rebound. Um, but here's an interesting uh, two interesting sample sizes I have that I'm curious to get your thoughts on. Um, in six and a half. By the way, Marquette only had one offensive rebound in the final seven minutes. When was it on? Do you remember? Um, it was the bucket that put him ahead, eighty-six, eighty-four. So it, it led. Pretty, it was a pretty important, pretty important one. one um, yeah. A floater by Rousey was missed, and he got his own offensive board. That's what I wrote it down as, mm-hmm. and uh, that led to a, a bucket by Elliott. I think he went one on one against Tyler Clement, okay. if I remember correctly, and it put him up eighty-six, eighty-four. Creighton tied at eighty-six. Marquette went ahead 88-86 on uh, um, who made that shot? Um, Anum. Right? Anum, yeah. yeah. Sakar Anum. Yep. I think he scored, drove over Foster and scored. Yep. Um, anyway, what So, yeah, here's an interesting sample size for you, just to get your thoughts on it. Um, through the first six and a half games of league play, because Martin Crabble tore his ACL at the end of the first half against Seton Hall at home. Okay. So through the, through the first six and a half league games, we're just going Big East play only. Creighton's defensive rebounding percentage was seventy four point nine, and they had only gotten outscored in second chance points by twenty five. Now Creighton's obviously not a team, whether Martin's healthy or not, that's going to crash the offensive glass and be an offensive rebounding juggernaut. Right. Um, be an offensive rebounding juggernaut. So. You're going to be minus in that category no matter what. But Creighton was only minus 25 in that category due to a 74.9% defense rebounding percentage, which I think led the league at that point. I'm pretty sure it did. I'm almost positive it led by 
over Xavier. Um, since Martine has been injured, seven and a half games is what they've played. I uh, included the second half against Seton Hall. 71.2% defense rebounding percentage. That's quite a drop. Yeah. I know 71 sounds like a good number. It's not. Um, and it's quite a drop, and they've been outscored by 57 points. They've well, allowed 96 second-chance points well, in seven, seven and a half games. 71 70 feels more like where they were last year. Yeah, when they weren't a good defense When they were not a good defense Worse in the league. Yeah. Um, that's a problem. Yeah. In fact, and especially when, in, when you just take these last two games and look at them. Um, individually, Xavier had 14 offensive boards, won the game, essentially, uh, or at least went ahead on a, on a second chance opportunity. I think I said on this podcast last week they scored, four, they they made four of their final six field goals in second chance situations, and then Marquette, 13 offensive rebounds, nine in the second half, and what what was the number? 18 second chance points. I mean that's yeah. That's that's obviously not good enough. So Creighton's defense rebounding percentage with Martine in six and a half games would currently rank third. Their defense rebounding percentage without Martine would currently rank uh, seventh. Okay. So you're talking about a four right. spot drop in seven. And, and you half add games. in, or you at least consider with that seventy one percent, the fact that teams are more often than not committing yeah. extra players back the numbers to, there yeah, they think they can get right. them now right to, well i was i was going to say they're more often than not committing extra numbers back to keep creighton out of transition but i think that the guys that they do send to the glass are more aggressive and yeah. thinking that hey we can we can we can get we can get some buckets on there but i but i do think that teams are really conscious of not allowing creighton to get out mm-hmm. not allowing creighton to run uh, to get a long rebound and go. Mm-hmm. Yet, but, even with that said, they're still, I mean, Xavier and Marquette still had 27 rebound, offensive rebounds in two games. That's, yep. that's, uh, and the reason I bring it up, because that's not a, like the, the pre-Martine and post-Martine injury, is because that's not a problem that's fixing itself. Martine's not coming back. Yeah. So it has to fix itself with the current roster as it's shaped. So my, the question I'm presenting right now, as far as this topic goes, is can the current roster address that Maybe not back to the level it was, but to enough to the point. Enough to the point where you're not giving, point up where you're not giving that up. <laughs> yeah. Like you can't give up that many second chance points when you're that when you're that compromised in the interior because well, that's going to lead to fouls, it, foul trouble, and you're already thinning that position. Didn't it feel like? Place. And I, I ha- again, I have to go back and look, but it felt like a number of those offensive boards were just like better anticipation and hustle. An effort from Marquette over Creighton. Like, Creighton was in a decent spot to get a board, mm-hmm. but either got out-toughed or just outworked to the spot. Mm-hmm. Maybe didn't read the ball off the glass. Just, like, didn't go get it. Yeah. That's what it kind of felt like a and lot Martin of times. And Martin was the guy who could go and yeah, get it. Yeah, he was the guy who went going. Because he goes up for it. Right. Like, I know they're on, like, a top of the square I, guy. Again, I, he just had that natural knack for going to get the ball. Yeah. I don't know if if Creighton has that anymore. A guy who has that, and that's what it felt like. Marquette's guys, it just seemed like reaction and instincts. Like they were in the right spot getting the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't like Creighton just completely stopped boxing out. I mean, I think they tried to put bodies on on people, but when they were in position to grab the board, they just didn't get it. That's mm-hmm. what it felt like when I was watching. Yeah. And now again, I, I want to go back and see um, if 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 a second look confirms that theory, but. 
the overarching question can it can it be fixed i don't know yeah i don't know i don't know it probably has to though that's probably the area that i mean when you think about the teams they're going to face that's probably the area that's going to get them beat most of the nights yeah cuz you can, if you're if you're if you're that compromised in that area of the game you're talking about a situation where that's deciding it almost i mean when you think about the fact that Creighton got outscored by 10 on the sec, on the offensive glass tonight 15 in the second half what did Marquette outscore Creighton by in the second half 16 16 yeah yeah and now scored by 15 on second chance right. points alone so I mean, it's sample sizes. You don't, you know, you can isolate other things like certainly guarding a ball screen here or there, not contesting here or there. But like, I can also narrow it down to that much. You know what I mean? Like, what was, you know, I don't know what. Uh, second chance, twenty-one to five against Xavier. They were minus sixteen in second chance yeah. points against Xavier. They lost by one. Yeah. Minus ten tonight against Marquette. They lose by four. That's that's making the difference in their results now. No doubt. So you don't. You have to. And, and the fact that they only lost by one, only lost by four, when I'm talking about re- not having to replace all of what Martin gave you, you've got to find a way to plug the gap a little bit more, though, because that's the difference right now in winning and losing when you're talking about these games coming down to the wire. The things you've given up in the first 38, 39 minutes are haunting you. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like that's the situation they face themselves with now. Um, and it's not like it's going to get easier. Butler killed them on the offensive glass, even with Martin in Omaha. <laughs> Definitely. Okay. Especially in the second half when, when Vill- Butler sort of ratcheted up its urgency. Yeah. And then Villanova did the same thing without Martin in Philly. And DePaul did actually did the worst job of anybody that's had. I thought they had a lot of offensive ch- boards, but not they didn't not convert. Boards. Yeah, they yeah. did. The, DePaul DePaul that up as far as conversion goes. <laughs> But they had opportunities. Yeah, they did. Yeah. I thought they had like twelve offensive boards. Yeah. maybe. And then you're going to face. And then you're going to face the Marquette team that just bullied you tonight yeah. again. That's what it's they a have major left. problem. And I, to me, you know, if if when we ask the coaches about it, I'm sure they're going to say it, it, it's going to come down to want to and technique. Um, maybe that's enough to allow Creighton to kind of reach the level where it's acceptable, mm-hmm. because I don't think Creighton's going to be at that the spot where it was, you know. At the start of Big East play mm-hmm. during non-conference season, mm-hmm. I don't think it's capable of that. But can it get to the point where it's not a glaring concern and it's going to cost them games? Mm-hmm. I think so, but it's going to take a a different mentality and a different mindset and a different commitment level and a focus on that. Yeah, you know, like that's it's not something they can take for granted because there's not going to. Whereas but, but, but they used to have two guys who could just go up to the top and get it. Um, it's weird so, though. So for a for a team that's. For when here's like it goes back to your point of teams trying to focus on getting back in transition and not committing numbers. When Creighton had two guys in Ronnie Harrell and Martin Crample who were aggressive, go and get it type of rebounders, that's two guys you got to worry about on the glass. When you only have one of those guys, that gives you an extra person you can commit to it now and still have three guys back, yeah. which felt like what Marquette was doing. Marquette felt like they had three guys back after on misses most of the time. And those were the guys that were chasing the loose ball down um, from the perimeter when right. when the it box out, would, out yeah when it got yeah. tapped out or when the box out was fifty fifty and the ball squirts out of there that's the type of situation that the Creighton is faced with now they don't have two guys that have to be checked anymore they have one so can they find a second one now um, you know can one of the guards be the person who comes in and cleans that type of stuff up Kyrie Thomas Marcus Foster what they end up tonight I think Kyrie had one rebound um, and Marcus Foster had three defensive rebounds 
Yeah. No, Kyrie Thomas had zero defensive rebounds. Well, again, and, and Marcus, I and thought, but, but, but his credit, he was he McDermott. Was, McDermott yeah. made the point after the game, but Kyrie was kind of like locked up on yeah, he Rousey, was, so he's he standing at the three point line for most of the situations. Which, um, again, that as Max said, takes away one of their better rebounders from the backcourt out mm-hmm. out of the picture, basically. But and, still, and Ronnie had six defensive boards tonight, so he had six of their sixteen. Yeah, sixteen defensive rebounds is that's terrible. that's an atrocious number. That's it is not enough. And I know it's predicated on how much the other team misses, but that's a, that's bad. To give to have sixteen defensive rebounds and to give up thirteen offensive boards, you're essentially like <laughs> you're essentially, essentially every time Marquette misses a fifty fifty situation right then and there. Yeah. That's essentially what's happening right there. Which can should, you believe that? Should not be the that's case. That's a ever. jarring number. So and that and that's here's the thing too, like when we're talking about can create and fix the problem. Like they just gave up fourteen offensive rebounds to Xavier. Like you think that that would have been the wake up call? Like that's enough. That should have been enough. Xavier went ahead with twenty seconds in the game on an offensive rebound. Like isn't that enough? Mm-hmm. What more do you need to kind of wake to shake you and say if you're oh, capable, right? Yeah, you know what I mean. That's right. the other. So qu- may- the other the other scenario is like they're totally not capable yeah. of it. They're already trying as hard as they possibly can, and it's just a fetal situation yep. going and, forward. And maybe that is. Maybe it. that's it. You know, maybe we can ask the question as much as we want, and no coach will say, "Well, you know, sorry, nope, that's, that's, nobody's going to say we're giving up on it." But exactly. Maybe, but they're not going to say, "Well, we're incapable of it either." But you're not internally, say that. maybe they are. Yeah, maybe it's something. And maybe they they've got to figure out ways uh, uh, in other areas to try to make up for that. Well, the way to make up for that then defensively is to have a little bit more teeth, like as far as creating turnovers go. Maybe press a little bit. Maybe just like you got to be able to throw them off a little bit because if essentially if you're if you're telling a team. That you're gonna sit back and uh, you know let them let them essentially create what I just said is a 50-50 situation with a miss and probably a higher percentage with a make. I mean, if you're not gonna if you're not gonna win that battle more times than not, you have to find another battle to fight, right? Like right. You have to you have to you have to kind of shift the battleground to something else. Like you got to heat up the perimeter a little bit more, make you know go for some steals, jump in some passing lanes. Like there has to be an adjustment defensively. If you know internally that getting a defensive rebound isn't there, yeah. Now I'm speculating on that. Maybe I, maybe they don't know that. Maybe they think defensive rebounding can be improved. Maybe they think the blockouts were terrible tonight. You know, we don't know until we rewatch that. But you know, that could be the case. So, but yeah, there. We know it needs to be answered. Whether they have an answer or not will be what you know the question going forward. The other thing, um, before we get into some individual stuff, I just want one overarching. Um, big picture part of the game that Creighton is kind of trending in the wrong direction with starts of halves. Starts of halves. So the first five minutes of each half tonight, and the first five minutes of each half against Xavier, I, I canceled out the Bemidji game because I don't really think a lot of guys were up for that one. Um, Creighton gave up fifty three points on thirty three possessions That's in the not, first over that twenty minute period. I don't, I don't remember the first. Half. I remember the first five minutes against Xavier in the second half. That was back when Xavier scored on its first four possessions, maybe, or first mm-hmm. five. I don't remember the start of the game. What so that did Xavier one, do? Do you remember? Uh, Xavier was up 13-7. Okay. So, and Creighton ended up minus five against Xavier um, in the first five minutes of each half uh, overall, and minus 11 tonight in the first five minutes of the first and second half tonight. So you're talking about a 16-point difference in those two 10-minute segments of the game. Creighton lost by one. Creighton lost by four. So, like, that's just to me is, like, singles out. Those are your starters. Those are the people. And that's what – and Mac made an interesting comment tonight. I thought 
they kind of have to evaluate that situation to see if the right guys are starting the game right yeah. now, you know? So I don't know who that implies. I don't know who that who that centers on because you feel like you're starting a lot of experience in the first place. I mean, you're starting, what, two seniors, two juniors, and a sophomore? Yeah. Uh, right? I don't, I don't know. What, you know what I mean? Like, I mean. So, but, 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 but if he posed that question, if he posed that, then that's certainly an alarming trend right now. Yeah. You know, when you give up 1.6 points per possession over a 20-minute stretch of ball game, and that's usually a tone-setting stretch. It's it first, definitely is. You know what I mean? First five of the first, first yeah. five of the second, that decides how the rest times. of the half almost goes for, you know, yep. for, a lot of the part, for a lot of it. So that, to me, is a big those, – those two areas, the defensive rebounding and the starts of halves, are two kind of alarming trends that are heading in the wrong direction for Creighton. And I think they're des- – and at this point, I think they're, they're determining results. Um, and when you look at the last two losses, certainly. Well, I definitely think the start of the second half tonight was. I mean, I've already kind of made that. Yeah, point. I think eighteen thousand people can say <laughs> it's, it's probably dumb to make that point, but I mean, just put we're just trying to put it in statistical perspective, right. so like Bad. how bad it is and how much of a difference it's making. No doubt. Yeah. Kyrie Thomas was good. Kyrie Thomas, I thought maybe you disagree. That might have been his best game ever. I was just gonna say. Oh, I think okay. That sorry. Was his, yeah. No, no, no. It's fine. I thought that was his best game of his career. Yeah. I mean, defensively, he was just an absolute pest. He was a menace. I mean, he wasn't letting Harazi catch. The only it, he wasn't the only he wasn't letting Rowdy pass. Like it was the, insane. The only flaw that he had was going on the block against Hauser, which yeah. is a tough matchup anyway. Which is, I feel like that's the way guys take advantage of Kyrie. When you get him to switch in the post, that's probably a I, I wonder if Creighton had, had it to do over again if they would have brought a double on Hauser there because um, although that puts you in a scramble situation, mm-hmm. as long as you're not helping off Rousey. Right, you you um, you're not gonna you're not gonna give up an open three pointer to somebody who you're extremely worried about. Although Sakara and, and you know sw- you did know, hit and some shots, you- but you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I think the switch was interesting too because I think maybe three or four times it was a Marcus Kyrie ball screen, which meant Marcus was guarding Hauser in the first place. I thought that was interesting. Uh, I thought it was I'm Ronnie. Curious I thought see, Ronnie was doing, doing yeah, it. No? See, I saw it more than once, and okay. I was like, why? And, and I, I was trying to and – I, and it was when Hauser scored on Kyrie, and I was like, okay, if you don't switch that, you still have Hauser on Marcus. You can right. just post that in general. So I was wondering – I'm kind of curious to see and go back and watch those possessions on how Marcus uh, got switched onto Hauser in the first place because that created – because once – I feel like Marquette was doing a lot of action – while Rousey was wasting time dribbling against Kyrie, there was a lot of action that was happening as far as switching was going on yep. underneath. And when Marquette got the switch it wanted as far as the four goes, then they switched the one four. Gotcha. And okay. then they so then they put Hauser onto the guard they thought they could score right. on no matter what. It so looked like, like they always tried to see if they could get it looked like they set they tried to set a pick with Hauser to see if they could get him an open jumper mm-hmm. on and Creighton did a good I mean that's why they were switching. Um, like you said, that was kind of at the end of the – toward the latter portion of the possession because early in the possession they already got a favorable switch on him. So, um, yeah, I just think that, that that matchup was exploited uh, by Marquette pretty well, and then they attacked Tyler Clement. Um, 
with pretty. Uh, yeah, I felt like a pretty high seventeen minutes tonight. Yeah, pretty high rate of efficiency there. But anyway, back whatever to he was Thomas. giving them offensively, he had six yeah. six assists, two one turnover. So he was giving them something offensively. Obviously, I think he he had a big three that I'm pretty sure he's going to want back when he watches that film. That would have put him up eighty five eighty, and I think would have been it, it might have been enough. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that would have been a big. That would have been hard for Marquette to erase two possessions. Um, with Creighton still able to score at that point, so that that was a big miss because about I think four mi- about four minutes left, Creighton was up eighty-two to eighty, and he missed yeah. that three. Yeah. That was a wide open with rhythm three, so I think he he's probably gonna he's probably gonna have a hard time rewatching that one because um, that that was I felt like that was a big turning point in the game, yeah. the end of the game I should say, because that might have been dagger ish had he hit that because then that would allowed um, you know even if Marquette had answered that. Creighton still would have had a one possession and, lead, and so. it was a tie game when Ronnie Harrell took a three and missed it as well. Mm-hmm. Creighton just Creighton's efficiency on offense down the stretch wasn't as good as it normally is. You know, like they other than Kyrie, games. nobody. Well, he was he scored their last fourteen points. Yeah, um, but they they. Let's see. You mentioned that that uh, shot from Tyler Clement. So it's one, two, three, four, five, six, six possessions. Where they only scored twice, and normally, the way that Creighton's finished games, a lot of times they're going to Marcus Foster and he's delivered. But you know, normally Creighton's found a way to get buckets in those situations, and they didn't do it mm-hmm. tonight. Um, but anyway, back to Kyrie, man. We got to yeah, talk yeah, a little sorry. bit about it. Like, I was, I, it, his, it was the best game of his career. His activity sure. on defense from the start was just phenomenal. I mean, he got his hands on like four or five balls. Forced at least three or four turnovers. The first two turnovers he forced weren't even like steals. They were he, he was just so locked on to Howard and Rousey they dribbled the ball off of themselves. Yeah, it, like, and I mean to play. What did he play? He played um, thirty eight minutes, mm-hmm. and to, he was their best offensive weapon, and he was giving it all, giving it all defensively. I mean, like chasing in the second half, they were running Rousey off screens to try to get him free getting him a look and he was chasing Rousey and right there on the catch or he was there before they could even get him the ball and he's denying like um it was like that that might have <laughs> you know it's it's too early to tell but like that that might have sealed his fate as a first round draft pick you know what yeah, I'm saying yeah. like three as, scott, I think three scots two scots were here tonight that was an, it was just an incredible incredible all-around performance mm-hmm. by Kyrie Thomas and it's too bad that uh, the Jays couldn't take advantage of it because um, he really did leave it all out in the court, and he had that aggressive. Uh, he it started. He hit a couple three pointers, um, and maybe that got him going offensively. But he had he had the type of aggressiveness late, kind of getting the ball into the teeth of the Marquette defense that I think the Jays needed mm-hmm. back at the start of the second half when they. We're settling for jumpers, and maybe they get the ball at the free throw line, but they weren't able to either get get to the rack or f- get a foul. I mean, they only shot two free throws in the second half after shooting thirteen in the first half. I mean, there was a, there was just this there there was a um, there was an attitude and a, a uh, sort of a mentality about the way Creighton was attacking in the first half that was not there in the second. Uh, largely because Marquette switched to its own, but Kyrie found it. Yeah, himself he found he it. Nobody else seemed to no. find it, but he found it, mm-hmm. and he uh, almost willed him to a win. Because there was no hesitation on like the thing that the zone did was make Creighton apprehensive. The only player who eventually 
he switched broke. the trigger on that way you could see he was not being apprehensive with the opportunities as soon as he got the ball. He was looking either to find a shooter or a score. And when he started realizing that he had to be the guy that someone had to take over, is yeah. how you put it. Yeah. Someone had to make a play. And he just kind of took it upon himself. Um, and you saw every time he catched, every time he caught it, he was looking for, he was immediately looking for looking to score. Yeah. And that's kind of, you know, that's, I don't, I almost felt bad because he was using so much energy on both ends of the floor. That's not sustainable the rest of the way. He's going to try. You know what I mean? I think that's just in his nature as a competitor. Um, but that to rely on one guy to do that much on both ends of the floor, you know, that's that's a tough position. Right. You know, and today tonight was the rare Marcus Foster off night. The foul trouble took him out of his rhythm for sure. Yeah, he was uh, – uh, I just looked at it, one for six in the second half. Yeah. And he one started four, off three for threes. threes. And he three made – well, four, two, right? he, made a, he made his first shot in the second half. Yeah. Uh, which that was, was at three. And so then he missed his next five. Mm-hmm. And turn the ball over three times. Yep. So, and I think one turnover late was especially costly. I think. Yeah, he, that was one of the possessions they had where they didn't. Uh, they had four empty possessions in their final six trips, mm-hmm. um, not counting the, the the heave that after after Hauser's free throws. Right. But they had four uh, their last six possessions four four empty possessions, and one of those was a turnover by Marcus. And he missed a jump shot that would have tied it. Um, it was an open look, a pretty good look, I think, but. It didn't go down, so right. they. It, it's it's going to be tough for them. It's pretty obvious that it's going to be tough. Even though you're not going to get 26 from Kyrie Thomas every night, um, it's going to be tough for them to survive an off night from Marcus Foster, offensively, um, especially in a game that that had that sort of flow and tempo, uh, kind of a shootout mentality. They needed their go-to guy to deliver in 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 the. Especially down the stretch, because yeah, the key moments, they went to him. They went to him. Yeah, they, they went the to last, him specifically. The last two possessions. Even, with, even when Kyrie was on, they They're, went yeah, to Yeah, they Marcus. were down two, yeah. and the last two possessions, they went to Marcus Foster, mm-hmm. and, and he... Um, Turned it over, and they missed the shot. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, should we move on to Butler a little bit before we wrap it up? I guess uh, they beat Providence by 15 today. I know, I didn't get to see the I game. I didn't watch it either, I know I'm bummed out, because it's... it's uh, it was one I was curious about from Butler's perspective because they had lost three in a row going into it. And they were down at halftime, it looked like, too, so it didn't seem like it seemed like Providence just got ice cold from what it sounded like. Yeah, and I mean, just, I think they only scored 54 points. Is that what they finished with? Yeah. Yeah. And I want to say, I think they may have been under 20 in the second half, right. which is really, um, really hard. I mean, the, I mean that's, that's tough to do in this yeah. league. Like, the question, I mean, this is the thing. Is like Creighton, so Creighton's slumping right now, obviously, kind of in a little yeah. bit of a rut. But – then again, there's a lot of teams in the league who have found themselves in this spot at this time of year. I mean, it's just it's Villanova is the only Big East team right now that has not lost consecutive games this season. Is that it was incredible. Villanova and Creighton going into the night? Yeah, and that's incredible. So now Creighton, it, I mean, Creighton still Creighton hasn't done it yet because they got Bemidji in between that, so they kind of like <laughs> yeah, they kind of I guess fudge that a little ten, bit to me. Ten, but yeah. but they're certainly going to Hinkle. That might be their that might be their losing streak right. right there. You know what I mean? And the question is, is how do you work out of it? I mean, mm-hmm. and can you work out of it? I, I think that, um, I mean, I referenced in the column a week ago Xavier's zero and six stretch in February last year. I mean, this is the time of year where Xavier was losing six games in a row. And when you almost a seventh in New York against DePaul, they were down <laughs> when you time. watch that stretch unfold, you're like, this team. I I don't even know if it's worthy of an NCAA tournament berth. I mean, there were a lot of problems. They weren't, and not, most of those games weren't close. No, I mean maybe one 
uh, was decided uh, by single digits in the final four minutes. Hall at home was a two point right. game. Yeah, everything else was uh, was not there. So, and there's plenty of other. You can look across the country in the past few seasons and find teams that struggled in conference play even in February and found a way to right the ship just in time for March, mm-hmm. which is obviously, I mean, it's the, it's what seasons, where how seasons are defined. If you're not going to get that league, regular season league title, which Creighton's not, which a lot of these, Providence, Butler, uh, Seton Hall, they're not going to get that. Yeah, you're playing Marquette. a long game now, right? You're, right, you're playing for the, how do we put ourselves in the best position so we can peak in March? Mm-hmm. Um, I think you can I think there's you can so that's the positive way of looking at it is like well it's been done before these teams have enough talent to figure it out um they've shown signs glimpses at times of being able to figure it out but can they can they work through it um and I don't know the answer to that for Creighton for Butler for Providence I mean Seton Hall, nobody's really playing consistent ball at this moment, mm-hmm. and and uh, you know this is the time of year when you, you, you Jesus you, Xavier is not even playing consistent. <laughs> yeah, but right. you've seen what they're giving up the last like three halves. It's mine. It's all oh my yeah. lord. I, that's like the worst defense I've ever seen. A potential one seed play in my life. <laughs> How do you? It's, it's madness. It, it's it's. Uh, that's the thing is like so. I think the. My reaction has always been, hey, it's just the Big East. You know, it's, it's, Do you take it, like, one at a time? It, it's a I, tough. It's I don't a, think I've been big picture until, like, now I'm starting to look at trends a little bit more because there is – I was just curious to see how post-Martin would go as far as sample sizes. And I think now there's, there's at least – with six and a half games of league play with him and seven and a half without, there's, like, a comparable sample size. For sure, yeah. So that's kind of what I look at right now as far as – what Creighton should evaluate, or maybe some things they should start with as far as evaluation goes. Maybe the start to halves and then the defensive rebounding are obviously two big problems. Because, like we've mentioned already, Creighton's lost these last two league games by five total points. You know what I mean? It's not mm-hmm. like how you mentioned when Xavier was losing six in a row by double digits and they were way behind the eight ball. You know, Creighton's a few possessions away from looking like this is a, you know, looking like they're possibly playing for the Big East title right now versus not. Right. Versus having to look forward and just try to find a way to peak at the right time. Um, that's the, you know, they're not that far behind right now if they can just find a way to sh- fine-tune some of the things that are costing them these games down the stretch. Um, then it's kind of a big if. Honestly. It is a very big if because, I mean, they could, it's one of those things where playing Butler at Hinkle on senior night, you could play well and still get beat. Yep. You know what I mean? Um, as far as the matchup goes, it's one that's favored Creighton in the recent history. And I think, I think I mean? it still does. Yeah. I think it still favors Creighton uh, because you have a, a guy like Kyrie Thomas who can match up against Keelan Martin. Um, they obviously have to solve the question of who slows down Kamar Baldwin, but mm-hmm. I thought that they had a good plan. It feels like forever ago, but it was really only like a month ago when they played Butler the first time. But they had a good defensive plan against Butler, and that's kind of the one on the team other that end. is like normally scheduled, right? Like yeah, Butler's right. the one. Butler's the that, one team that feels like a, yeah, it's split. There's a gap although last there. year it wasn't though, because last year they played at the end of January and like yeah. in the middle of January, which right. is weird. But anyway, this this year, everyone everyone sure. it felt like it was two different seasons, big East seasons. But Butler's the one that's had. There's been a gap there yeah. where the teams kind of right. can make an adjustment. I wonder um, what it's going to be. I thought. So, yeah, I, I think that the question is, for me, 
the Butler game is for me is just totally different than Marquette. Marquette, this Marquette matchup to me is an outlier. Like Creighton, normally I go post Martin because you were kind of talking about trends and and one of the things that I feel like I've picked up on is that Creighton, for me, a lot of times the question is, can Creighton find a way to reach the right number it depends on the on the day but reach the right number in terms of offensive efficiency can it get easy buckets can it um uh, can it put pressure on on teams offensively without martin because of you know the impact that he had i that's so that's that's the question that i was i've been asking the last few weeks Mm -hmm. marquette was different though because marquette i knew creighton would score I mean, or I thought Creighton would score with these. I guess I wasn't anticipating um, that lull in the second half yeah. against the zone, but I was like, no, that 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 game's gonna it, it's gonna depend that 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 one flips a little bit. It's more about the defensive side. Um, but I, I this is a to me it's gonna be. I think I'm very curious to see um, if Creighton's able to keep up with Butler offensively because it won't have that. Uh, those as many high percentage looks and maybe the the performance of Jacob Epperson uh, kind of gives him a boost to contribute in that manner and, and stretches the defense and keeps Butler on us so it doesn't have to um, put a put extra focus and, and commit extra numbers to uh, slowing down Marcus and Kyrie but um, I do think it I think the matchup is favorable to Creighton honestly I do but going on the road to a place that has been tough for a lot of teams to come out with a victory. On is, senior night. On senior night, where Keelan Martin has been. I guess I don't know what his numbers were against uh, Providence today, but his last few games have been really impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, Kyrie, Kyrie Thomas has done a phenomenal job against him in the last three games, but you got to imagine that Keelan's going to come out with, with if he, some sort of response. Yeah, I mean, you think – and it's interesting because I think towards the end of the game in Omaha, he had posted Kyrie up a little bit and got some success doing that. I'm wondering if that's in his head at all. Yeah. And I'm wondering if you know the coaching staff at Butler kind of saw that and realized that he turned the ball over six times when he was trying to attack him from the perimeter, but when it when he was trying to attack him on the interior, it was and in the post, it was a little bit different of a situation. Right. And with a guy of Martin's size, that's the different. That's the matchup that he can. That's the. That's where he can beat Kyrie. To me, I've always felt, but he just doesn't. He's kind of like too stubborn to realize that, which is why I've always been frustrated with him as a player. It's like you're trying to attack a six foot three guard, like you're a six foot three guard. You're not like you have to use your size. Like, it, he, yeah, you know. So he hasn't done that. He thinks he can. He, I thought he. Did he thinks a he little, can. You know, I get a little saucy a little with bit. Kyrie, but saucy. He, it doesn't work. I thought he did a little bit in the. Late in the second half, uh, first meeting last this last month attacking Kyrie off inside the, off. The, oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah, that's what you're talking about. That's okay. where I think yeah. he can have success right. and possibly get Kyrie in foul trouble, which totally changes Creighton's defensive dynamic at that point. Like yeah. they have, you know, no one who can give them what Kyrie gave them tonight on that end of the floor for sure. So you're talking about trying to guard that action. If if right. if Keelan's able to get Kyrie in foul trouble early in that game, that could get really ugly. To kind of sum it up, though, I think that for me, going forward, I think the two biggest concerns for Creighton are can can they get easy buckets, high percentage looks, mm-hmm. and consistently, can he clean up on the defensive glass? I think yeah. those, to me, those are the two areas that that have stood out since Martin Crumple went down. That I don't think that they've found a reliable solution for, and this 
Saturday was a little bit of a curveball because of the zone defense. Um, things were rolling before that. But still, that that sentiment still remains of like, Creighton didn't have a way to create an easy look offensively until they brought Jacob Epperson in. But then the problems on the defensive rebound rebounding side of things weren't fixed at that time either. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it's not all on Jacob Epperson. Like, no. They, they had problems boxing out and, and keeping Marquette off the glass before he entered the game, but it was it, it didn't it, 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 it those it, problems didn't erase themselves when he was on the court. So to me those are the two biggest areas of concern and, and uh I think it's just something to chart and watch, uh, particularly on Tuesday against Butler, because I think Butler has the ability to make life tough on Creighton in those two aspects and uh and then obviously just down the road. Yeah, the one thing I'm curious about uh, going forward with Creighton. Yeah, the one thing I think maybe that maybe Creighton should try to explore a little bit more, maybe aggression off the dribble. Now, I know against the zone tonight it was hard in the second half to create those situations where someone was actually guarding you as you attacked to get to the free throw line. But Creighton shot 10 threes in the first half and 13 free throws. Second half they shot 14 threes, two free throws. Yeah, that's not the ratio you want. No, you yeah. gotta you got you to gotta have the defense at least – worried about everything instead of just forcing you to shoot jumpers the whole time. And I feel like that's Creighton just didn't have that aggression to and attack the gaps in the zone yeah. to the rim. They were attacking the gaps in the zone to spray for a three. And I felt I feel like when Creighton gets into that mode, like, let's just shoot our way out of this funk, they look for that rhythm three. And I, I, would, I think going forward, if they were to kind of change the trend a little bit and get some momentum going, it would be more balanced to where they're looking at all sides of the court as far as where they want to attack. Rim, three, intermediate, no matter what defense is out there. You know what I mean? That's, that's the, I think that's Marquette forced them into a lull tonight because they said, look, we're going to sit in a zone and you're, gonna, and you're a jump shooting team so we know you're going to fall into this trap that, you're, that you think the threes you're taking are the ones you want to take and really they're the ones we want you to take. Well, and also, like you said, it was a gamble because Creighton could have easily hit those shots that's, and, then, that's and, true. and, and yeah. it wouldn't have worked. That's as simple as it is. Like, that's the make or miss simplistic form of it. But, like, but our thought Creighton is, our threes, thought is, is and I'm in but. agreement with you, I think, we're, I think what we're getting at is like Creighton, Creighton shouldn't allow itself to be put in that spot where it's relying on that. 40% jumper like there mm-hmm. might be a better scenario to create a higher percentage look and to not avoid or to avoid having to rely on settling or yeah, or, jump or, yeah, or just all, jump shots totally in general like because it's that situation where it's you're for I understand you're forcing you're, you're kind of at the mercy of the calls and things like that and Marcus Foster historically has not been a guy who got gets them so you're wondering if it's a like a fruitless endeavor to even go for that to try to like force contact and you know you might just end up getting a guy run into and nothing happens out of that possession but I still think the balance needs to be it needs to be closer to balance than it is right now I know we're getting into like run past territory for football but like there has to be some where you're using the whole court instead of just camping out and you know placing shooters all over the place like there has to be more more balance because for a defense to dictate what you do which is what Marquette did. They sat in the zone and made them shoot jump shots. I think Creighton going forward maybe should be like, no, no matter what you do defensively, we're going to do what we want to do. And that's and that includes just the entire 
part of the quarter court. You yeah. know, three pointers on in. So I, I think Creighton got lulled into. Marquette took the gamble and said, we're going to make you jump shooters. And when Creighton started missing, Marquette's gamble paid off because they were forcing Creighton out of rhythm. And once that happened, Marquette was already back in the ballgame and they were comfortable offensively. So, yep. you know, there wasn't, any, there wasn't any way for Creighton to put another run together to erase that. Right. You know, they were just having to hope their jump shots fell. And I think they should f- be more forceful in trying to, you know, make Marquette's defense have to adjust to them as opposed to the other way around. So that's, that's the way I feel. But going forward, it's different because they're not going to, you know, different teams do different things. You know, Villanova's not going to zone, I think, at all. I don't, DePaul, I don't know if DePaul plays much zone either. So, you know, they'll, they'll be facing a situation where it's not. They don't think they'll be facing a situation. I think Marquette doesn't play. usually play that much zone either, yeah, though. I know. So that's my, that's they might see it. Exactly. So, they might see it. So, yeah. At the, but I think that's uh, really all we have tonight. Um, there are definitely some trends that are going in the wrong direction for Creighton. But, you know, the bottom line can't be – we can't overstate the fact that they have lost the last two games in league play by five total points. So, I mean, as much – as much as we might have sounded doom and gloom tonight, it's not. There's not that much of a gap between success and failure at this point. They're just walking a little bit of a fine line. So, but that's the thing, though. That's the thing, though, Matt. Though that's basketball, and in the NCAA tournament, yeah, like that's reality. Like yeah. there isn't much of a fine line between that. That I guess that the gap or the margin for error is so slim. Mm-hmm. Like the difference between. Going out in the first round and making the Sweet 16 is are these little things that we're talking about. Yeah. So, like, for Creighton to kind of to reach the point that it wants to be to be at, like Creighton is a good team. We know that. We can see that they're playing. They play with with Xavier. They're right here in in this game against Marquette. Um, they've tested a lot of good teams and and they've held leads against good teams. But there's this that little extra um, that that next step. Mm-hmm. That um, that the Jays need to make if they want to be in position to to reach their goals in March, and so they have four regular season games and a Big East tournament to to figure it out. And obviously, they want to do everything they can to avoid uh, a significant slide here, because uh, you know you might find yourself on the bubble uh, with a couple. Oh yeah, I, I, yeah. I don't think they're a lock by any means. Before tonight, even I didn't think. I kind of think. I think I told somebody on Twitter. I think they'd have to lose out to. Oh really? To be knocked out of the NCAA tournament, but yeah, losing out would be significant. Though, <laughs> it lose out in the regular season, yeah. um, but it it feels like if you finish if they finish nine and nine in league play, um, I'd have a hard time yeah. thinking that they they would be left out of the NCAA tournament, but. It's going to be wacky. Yeah, I was trying to go with an optimistic ending, but you decided you opted for realism. Is that what you did? I or guess. Did you, you're not pessimistic, right? I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm not pessimistic. I'm just. I think that the reality is pretty clear. I think that there, yeah. there, uh, there are adjustments and um, and changes and improvements need to be made. Mm-hmm. Creighton's capable of making those. I think. Yeah. Um, now it's up to the Jays to do it. Right. And if they do it, then they might find themselves enjoying a, a, a decent run in March. Because as college basketball has proven, you know, the, the gap between team number one and team number 50 is pretty small. And, um, but it's going to require Creighton to beat Creighton for it to, to, 
to be in position to do something spectacular, you're gonna have to gonna have to be at its best. Mm-hmm. And some of the weaknesses and flaws that we've seen, uh, not just over the last week or so, but over the course of the season, uh, they they have to eliminate those as as best as possible. Yeah, agreed. That's a good way to wrap it up. So uh, everybody's gonna probably listen to this on Sunday and going forward. Um, as always, buy a newspaper. John does great work at the Omaha World Herald. Um, so buy a newspaper. Go to Omaha.com to read his work. Uh, he just wrote about the freshman recently. So his streak of writing about a player or players that eventually play well the, ne- the following game is still alive and well. So send John ideas about who to write about. Who do you want to see play well? Who's your pick to click? Who do you want to see step up? And John will write about them, and then they will. Because that's about foolproof. About as foolproof as it gets at this point. Um, and then come to whiteandbluereview.com uh, and check out our work as well. And then all of our post-game stuff on this, uh, this four-point loss tonight to Marquette. And I know you'll be all angry after you read all the post-game thoughts and comments and after listening to this podcast about what happened. So to make you feel better, John and I are both pro-Black Panther. We thought the movie was phenomenal. Amazing. It will, it will definitely change your mood. And it has, an, opt- it. It has an optimistic outlook. Go we, watch we it. We promise. So uh, that's as spoilery as I'll get. So once you're done getting frustrated and angry all over again, after you read all of our stuff and all of our thoughts and all of the post-game comments, um, finish your Sunday afternoon out with a Black Panther matinee. And you'll be ready to go into Monday. So you'll be feeling good, we think. So... Um, In the meantime, thanks for tuning in. Uh, We will talk to you again after Villanova. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Hopefully we're going to break the winning streak. Maybe we'll see. Um, Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good night.